0: You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to MileHighHuddle.com to sound off on
1: all things Broncos. Hello there, Broncos Country, and it is once again time for another episode of Building the Broncos. I'm your host, Carl Dummler, and with me as always, I have my co-host and good friend, Mr. Nick Kendall. Nick? Nick? Broncos have have won three straight games and unfortunately we're sitting here we're recording on Wednesday afternoon and it kind of feels like this past few days have been a little bit of a defeat for the Broncos losing Chris Harris Wolf's injured and now Emmanuel Sanders done for the season and maybe done with the Broncos.
0: Yeah, it sounds like that might be the case. Uh, An Achilles injury. I haven't heard yet about the MRI. I was listening to a podcast on my bus ride home and only 1% on the phone, so I wasn't updating my Twitter like crazy, but it sounds like it's probably a severe Achilles injury. I mean, granted, all Achilles injuries are severe, but some of them more severe than others. And would not be surprised if his time in Denver is done given his contract option and just how long it takes to come back from Achilles injuries. You know, like, let's say he had a separated shoulder or something like that. And he'd be done for the year, which would suck, but at least he'd be ready to go to OTAs and whatnot. And coming back next season, there's questions about even like if he does come back next year, how effective he will be, but it's going to take like a full calendar year before he's even coming back. So the, it sounds like it sounds like this might be the end of the road for Sanders in Denver, which is too bad because he's been a really fun player for this offense. But you know, he hit that over 30 year mark or 30 years of age, Mark. And that's, we know how that is. So if uh, one year left on his contract, if he's not even going to be able to really even play next year, there's no reason to keep him. Right. Oh, I hate hearing that.
1: It's like nails on a chalkboard,
0: but uh, Hey,
1: Broncos are winning and they're still in the thick of things. So we're excited and we're, we're excited for this upcoming game. And that's why we want to talk to you that the, the building the Broncos podcast is focused on all things that that pertain to your Denver Broncos as relates to really the NFL draft, team building, and, and looking ahead to upcoming opponents, with Nick and myself being armchair GMs, we'll be bringing you fresh insight and analysis each and every week in every single episode. From scouting the enemy, player values, scheme and personnel fits, and of course, some general football-related banter. You can follow myself on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH, as well as follow Nick at Nick Kendall MHH, and be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddleUpPod. And make sure you check out ours and our co writers' written content at milehighhuddle.com, a part of 24 7 Sports and affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know your listeners are as football, draft, and Bronco crazy as we are. So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners. So as a call to action, please go and take the time to go to iTunes or Spreaker to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy our show. Now, before we get going, we first want to say thank you to our great sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Well, Nick, of course, with every episode, we always like to take a second to, to look back and see what the Broncos were able to do. And, and it, it was Cincinnati. Nobody really expected them to be a great team. They have lost what four of their last five games, something like that.
0: Yeah, they've been they've been the exact opposite of the Broncos. They started off pretty good to start the season, and then things have gone downhill quickly. So, I mean, granted, the Broncos have injuries, but as far as wins and losses and team direction, Broncos right. have been like on the opposite spectrum of the Bengals.
1: Right, exactly. But it was still a huge. Moment, I, I would say in, in VJ's career as a head coach, and they had never won a game that was with the early start time, the twelve PM our time, eleven AM Mountain time, and playoff implications for both teams. That there's just a lot of things that were were kind of working against the Broncos in this one, and yet here we are, another victory. And another opportunity you always love when we have a victory to do the stock up and have four players. So who are your four players from this last weekend?
0: Well, for me, I was talking with you on Facebook earlier, and I said to you that, you know, as good as Bradley Chubb's been this season overall for the Broncos, I mean, 10 sacks as a rookie is nothing to scoff at by any means. uh, I would say that he over since the bye week has been the Broncos third best pass rusher. And Von Miller is obviously number one. He's getting doubled a lot, and he's still getting home. You know, Von Miller makes this defense go, no doubt. But the second best pass rusher on this team over the past you know three weeks, Shelby Harris. Again, had a very impactful week this week. He's getting after the quarterback. He's winning his matchups when he's one-on-one, which you have to do when you have a guy like Von Miller. You have to have guys that can win those one-on-ones and make teams adjust. And Shelby Harris has just been been playing great. I know he's going to be a restricted free agent at the end of the season. We will see what kind of tender they should put on him based on the contract. I wouldn't be surprised if they put a first-round tender on him. That said, with how good this defensive line class is with the upcoming draft, maybe they... Maybe they take a gamble and put a second round tender on him. I'm not sure. You know, that's something we can talk about when we get to it. But Shelby Harris is my number one and he's having a great second half of the season and really offering the Broncos the best interior pass rushing player they've had since, gosh, uh, Malik Jackson. You know, he's been he's just been killing the inside. So I love to see that. I'm very much a proponent of interior pass rush. My number two guy is somebody I wrote an article about this week, who really has turned around his season. The narrative of him completely has been changing as well, and he's been improving. And that is Garrett Bowles at left tackle. You know, he's still a player that is somewhat raw, and he's got to improve his passing technique. He still is prone to getting a little bit handsy, and you know, not always the best with his pass sets. But I feel like his game has really—it's turned a corner. And while he's not an elite tackle, he has an athlete. Uh, elite athleticism for the position he's not elite and I, bleh, he is not an elite tackle yet but he's improving he's been playing better and better every week and i would say that last week's game was probably the best game he's had of his career he gave up i don't think he gave a any pressures? There was a pressure given up or a sack given up, but that was on Billy Turner when Case Keenum had to uh, avert the first pressure and ran right into Garrett Bowles' this guy. Garrett Bowles in a clean pocket would have been fine, um, and then Garrett Bowles had that amazing block where he got outside the hash marks and is running and taking a guy out. Which is, I mean, we saw that you know based on U- his Utah tape, that was something that was happening all the time. So Garrett Bowles arrow t- trending up, and I'm really excited about that uh, number three for me wadman i mean he has been playing better and better at punter the broncos repeatedly in the first half were giving the Bengals crap field position because colby wadman was able to flip the field position and just been a really i was skeptical at first but he's been playing really good and i've been very impressed with wadman at punter and then finally i don't even need to say very much i feel like if anybody's listening to this you've already heard it a lot but philip Lindsay getting the most touches he's had as a bronco so far and man that dude has special speed. He recorded the fastest speed of any player this season, according to that next generation stats. And he is the, I mean, we, I, with Sanders going down, I've, this is this is the weapon for the offense. So really excited about him going forward. I'm 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 still concerned about his his weight and how many carries he can put. And now that everybody's getting injured, God put Philip Lindsay in bubble wrap when he's not on the field. But it's a uh, he's got to be the another stock up guy and he's just better and better. And if he finishes off this last quarter of the season strong, and especially because the offense is going to be revolving around him now, even more so he's got a chance to win offensive rookie of the year. He really does. So really excited about that. Very good list. Uh, I,
1: I kept thinking about Colby Wadman. Yeah. And how many times in the first few weeks that he was with the Broncos, he was on our stock down list. And, and this is one of the great things about this team is, is you've seen the improvement in players as the season has gone. And I know a lot of people still want to harp on the coaching, but Hey, that's coaching and, and that's reps and that's just getting guys used to being in the system because they got a lot of young guys. I mean, you look at this list, Garrett Bowles, Philip Lindsay, Colby Wadman, a lot of these guys are still in their first couple years and learning the game, learning how to play in the NFL. So props to the coaches for for helping get them in the right place. My list, I have Justin Simmons. I just did an article on him, a film piece on him switching over to slot corner when when Chris Harris went down, and I was pleasantly surprised with what he brought to the table. I think they I think they counted 20 snaps as a slot corner in coverage. And he gave up some catches. Don't get me wrong, but when you're you're asking a safety that maybe plays I mean, he'll spend a little time during the week practicing, playing that slot corner just for emergency, quick in and out kind of situations. But this is not something he's asked to do on a regular basis. And yet he went in there and and played pretty well. Now, given it was quarterback first start, I understand all those kind of things play into it. But again, I mean, I, I actually thought he did a very good job. I, I thought he did well not getting his body out of position. It, it just there, there's a lot of things that really impressed me with him. And then, of course, Cortland Sutton, nice bounce-back game for him. Now, given, if you look at all of his catches, they are down the field, down the sideline. And that's his game. I mean, that's his strength. That's what he's good at. And the Broncos found ways to to get him the ball. Now, with this whole Emmanuel Sanders injury, there's maybe (laughs) no other player on the offense that's going to have to step up more than Cortland Sutton. I mean, this is a guy the Broncos need to be more than just a deep threat. They need him to be able to, to move the chains like Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, he won't be able to move it like Emmanuel Sanders did, but at least move it a few more times a game than what he's been doing. I mean, who would have thought when we drafted him with, with DT on the team and Sanders on the team that we'd be sitting here ready for our 13th week of the season and he would be our number one receiver. Did you, did you think that would be happening?
0: Uh, the only reason I would think that would be happening is if the Broncos were on full-on tank mode, exactly. not of trying to get into the playoffs.
1: <laughs> exactly. And so it's on him. And and they just, I mean, y- you look at this offense in almost every position other than quarterback has like a ridiculously young player, I guess, Valdir they're, they're the veterans of the group. Otherwise it's just, it's all young guys. And it's just kind of crazy, but I mean, hey, they're still in it, and they still got plenty of times opportunities to win. But and then my final one, I got to give it to the other big time rookie, Bradley Chubb, uh, getting his 10 sack. Uh, I thought this was maybe one of his better games. I loved. I, did you listen to the game live?
0: I watched it live. Yeah, I okay. know. Reddit uh, stream, you? Reddit streams lifesavers for somebody yep. out of market.
1: Yep, exactly. Um, they they made a comment on one play where they tried to run to. Von Miller's side. And they're like, why are you running to Von Miller's side? He's too fast. Run it towards Bradley Chubb. And then later on, they did exactly that. And Bradley Chubb just slammed it to the ground. And they're like, oh, I guess you can't run that way either. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly right. The Broncos, the the edge duo, this is, I mean, he's just getting better and better. And he's improving his entire game. I mean, it's not just that he's getting sacks. But, I mean, he's starting to step up more to understand what the run game's about. He was disciplined when you're facing a running quarterback to not just go chasing down the line of scrimmage and open up a huge hole. I mean, he just did a lot of good things in this game. So, very proud of a lot of young guys who stepped up in this game. Uh, A lot of injuries and a lot of of places the Broncos could have just crumbled and given this game away. And, hey, here we are, three straight wins.
0: Yeah, and... That's, that's what counts. So everybody trying to save their job. Vance Joseph, I mean, who knows what will happen in this last quarter of the season, but three straight wins is three straight wins, and that's what counts. But now on to stock down. I do have three. A lot of times I like to go with two instead of three and a loss, but I got three this week, and two of them are repeat offenders. Actually, all three of them are repeat offenders. Bradley Roby, another just out-of-whack game. I can't see the Broncos retaining this guy in the offseason. I understand that off. Ball, off-man coverage is not his strength. He's better when he can be right in the grill right away. But, you know, you got to have some adaptability. And when the Broncos have issues with the other cornerbacks and their ability to hang with press man and be aggressive and uh, literally no cover-one safety on the team, you have to adjust. And they're playing bend-don't-break, and Roby is the one who's breaking. So not great. And talking about the lack of a cover-one safety on this team, Darian Stewart. I don't know if there's a player on this team that is playing – as poorly and not being called out. Darian Stewart looks slow. He's missing tackles. I mean, before at least at free safety, he could come down and fill against the run and kind of clean up, but he's not even doing that anymore. He's not totally out of position. You know, that's something that he has going for him, but Man, he is just a total sieve on that back end, and limits what type of defense they can call. You know, if the cornerbacks are not deep, they're not very super talented. That's true, but if you have a cover one safety, at least you can be a little bit more aggressive and play these guys a different way. And just Stewart is so far away from that. And Case Keenum, man, what a what a dreadful game to watch. This first half of football was. Not, I mean, it's Bronco football, so you know I'm watching it. But I felt like I was watching the damn inept Iowa Hawkeye offense that I've been used to some of these years watching them when they refused to get away from that zone stretch to the weak side, and they they took away that bootleg, that backside on him, that play action there, and he could do nothing. And thank God he had Sanders to convert some third downs and he read some, made some good reads, throwing the ball down the field to Sutton. But now, what was it, twelve completions on the day for Case Keenum? He just looked horrible. Yes, so over twenty-one. Yeah, just not not great. And I understand you're limited to him, and he's controlling the game. He didn't throw an interception, so there's a stock up there. As long as he keeps not putting the defense in a bad spot, he can do it. But right now, the bar is so low for what people are asking of him. I mean, literally just run the offense and don't throw it to the other team. Like it's a, I understand that when you have a defense the way the Broncos defense has been playing and a good run game that you don't need a quarterback to be very much more, but have some standards. I mean, this is a team that's had Elway and Peyton Manning for Christ's sake. And I understand we're coming off of Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch era, which is bad, but what case Keenan put up on the field this week wasn't acceptable either. Even though they got the win, if you're playing against any team, that's not, you know, what was it? 32nd in the league in defense, that's you're you might lose that game. You know, like that's how bad Keenan played. So stock down on him again as well.
1: Well, my two, I, I decided just go to my first one, Shane Ray. I, I just, I, I don't really notice him in the game ever. Do you? Who? Shane Ray?
0: You've heard of that name before? (laughs) Um, (laughs) He's the edge rusher opposite Zach Allen for Boston College, right? There you go. There you go.
1: I I just, when you see the kind of impact that obviously Chubb and, and Von Miller are making, but even Shaq Barrett, I mean, he at least has his name called a few times throughout the game. Shane Ray, there's just a lot of plays. I feel like he just kind of runs into the blocker and just that's that's his play. <laughs> I, I just I'm not very, very impressed at all. And and I really wouldn't mind even seeing Jeff Holland more than Shane Ray. At least there'd be a little bit more fire in in that young rookie. But I, I just especially this last game, it, the the Bengals don't really have great tackles. We already talked about it. They actually started to guard at tackle, at left tackle. And of course, I mean, Bradley Chubb, of course, took advantage of that. But when Shane Ray came in, you didn't see that (laughs) he got dominated. So nothing, nothing too important there. Then I guess this is kind of tied to Case Keenum a little bit. And I I was just trying to think of a second one, but Deshaun Hamilton, he actually had the most snaps of any wide receiver, but ended up with zero catches. Ah, Now, great. Yeah. I mean, that's still, again, is it Case Keenum not looking at him or is it, that he's just not getting open or he's not trusted. I don't, I don't know what it is because he's going to be another guy that's going to have to really, really step up. He's now our number two receiver. Crazy. Two rookies are our number one, number two
0: receiver. <laughs> I remember when the draft happened that I was like, I can't believe the Broncos took two wide receivers. You know, like this, the 2019 class probably is going to be better than the 2018 class, and they took two. Two of them that I, I liked decently, and now that's who we're going to rely on. Although I do think Tim Patrick also is going to have something to say about getting some reps.
1: Right. No, I I do agree. But they they had Hamilton on the field a lot. And and yet he just didn't make any impact other than I did see him make some good run blocks. I will say that. But I I just I kind of I want to see more from this kid. He was he was starting to show a little bit before his ankle injury. And ever since then, he just hasn't quite got back up to it. Same with Royce Freeman. Before his ankle injury, he was like, man, this guy, he's right there getting five yards of carry this running back duo, just looking good one, two punch. And since then he just looks a little bit more hesitant. He doesn't have quite the explosiveness. I, I guess there's my three Royce Freeman. I'm adding him to the list here a little bit, but he had a little bit better game. I will say that. I, I think he's kind of getting back into the flow a little bit more, but I need more from Hamilton.
0: Yep. I don't disagree. And I, th- I mean, Pretty much have to at this point. You got no other choice unless you're going to hand the ball off to Philip Lindsay 40 times. Oh boy. All right. Well, moving on to our forward progress versus loss of down Um, this week, my forward progress, special teams field position. Something that the Broncos were absolutely dreadful with during the Simeon era is that, you know, while the Broncos still did field a very respectable defense the offense and special teams continually put the defense in terrible field position. I think last year they had the the defense for opposing offenses had the worst starting field position as far as, you know, less yardage to go for the defense than any team in the NFL by like three or four yards. Like Cleveland, Cleveland Browns were horrible last year, but the Broncos put their defense in a worse spot with their offense and special teams. So mainly in this one, I'm going to go give it to the special teams, the Broncos. I felt like, All game long, the only time that the Bengals were about to get good field position, their punt returner muffed the kick, and then the Broncos got the ball. So, you know, constantly, if you're going to help your defense and you're not going to have a super explosive offense, which guess what the Broncos don't, guys, then you need to make sure that the other offense has to march the ball down the field. And the field position that the Broncos gave the Bengals all day long, the Bengals' offense all game long was... Phenomenal. So I, I just want to call them out. That's something we haven't talked about on here enough, in my opinion. And it was front and center this week and kind of in an underrated storyline that I hope they can continue because with this bend, don't break defense, you've got to make them march it down the field. And it's pretty hard to go 90 yards on 12 plays.
1: Right. Nope. I completely agree. And mine kind of ties into a little bit, just adaptability. I I am so impressed with some of these players stepping in. You got tackles playing guard. You got a guard playing center. You got tight ends coming off of practice squads. You got now two rookie receivers that are asking, being asked to do a lot. You got rookie running backs. You got uh, Joe Jones having to start there at at linebacker for a little while, and I thought he did serviceable. It wasn't perfect, but he, he did pretty well. Of course, Justin Simmons. Uh, You just got guys having to step into different positions and all these young guys keep showing up. And, and so I keep thinking, okay, well maybe, maybe the Sanders injury won't be so bad. And then I'm going, no, it's that's a pretty big loss (laughs) that that will hurt, but it's still, there's other guys that have just stepped up and, and it just seems like this, this team just keeps chugging along and getting a little bit better each week.
0: That's what counts. However, injuries may have something to say about that unfortunately, and loss of down. I actually wrote this before, you know, maybe loss of down, we should call it injuries or just loss of talent due to injuries. <laughs> but for me, the, the biggest issue, I guess it does have to do with injuries, but it's cornerback depth and coverage ability. And I, I love Chad. I love Zach. You know, they got the other podcast going on here, but I had a bone to pick with them on Sunday when they were talking about being frustrated with the, the Broncos coverage and giving the Bengals a cushion to make plays. And I think that, I mean, what do they give up? 10 points on the game? Yep. Is that like, I understand that it's not the Broncos 2015 defense where they are absolutely suffocating and fighting at the catch point. But the Broncos, I just, the Broncos do not have the horsepower in the back end to play that scheme effectively. Because if they are going to play that press man aggressive scheme, you know what's going to happen? Remember that 97 yard touchdown to Juju? That was a press man scheme with a cover one safety and he was gone. So I just, I think that Joe Woods a and Vance Joseph are doing what they have to with this team. And while I do agree that, you know, these, some of these cornerbacks would be a little bit better playing close to the line of scrimmage. If you don't have that safety over the top, or you don't have cornerbacks that are playing consistently with their recover speed, both Roby and y- uh, Yadam issues with them in coverage, then you have a chance to get cooked and right now that's what they have to do. So this uh, cornerback depth and coverage ability is a concern. Luckily, it's probably, it's not going to be a problem. Probably not going to be a problem this week against the 49ers, but it's, that's a loss of down for me. Cause this cornerback depth and coverage ability is not, not great. They did bring in a uh, Jamar Taylor. Who's somebody um, that's, I mean, there's a reason he was not signed. <laughs> Let's put it that way. But the, Andy Adam played well. But it's still, you don't have the horses. You don't have the depth on that back end to play that press man scheme, even if they'd like to do it. Right.
1: And, and I mean, one, one thing that stuck out to me was listening to, I think it was Jared Goff. He actually talked about the Broncos and said that they were the toughest defense to play. And I think part of that is it is frustrating for an offense when you really, especially those high flying offenses, they want to go deep. And if you're playing that off-man coverage, you're just making that you're daring them say, saying, just say, go deep, see what happens. The, you have to take that underneath stuff. And then that's, I mean, it's, it's tough to watch. You get to those third and sixes and you're like, oh man, okay. Tighten up a little bit. Oh no, we just gave up a seven yard pass. Dang it. And they keep marching. But again, you look at some of these scores, 10 points, 17 points. I mean, the, they're just not giving up a ton of points. So yeah. you, you got to, pick and choose what you want. Either they can play that tight man coverage and have some games where they're going to give up 30, 40 points or you can have them play what they're doing and only give up that 10 to 17 points.
0: Yeah, that's uh, you got to go with what you got on defense. I understand you have your scheme, but you got to adapt to what happens and that's what they've been doing. And off man coverage is not as great. I mean, if you have a good quarterback that especially one that's accurate underneath kind of like what Derek Carr did to them week two when he had like what was it like two incompletions or something ridiculous, yeah. and the Broncos still won. But yeah, they kept them out of the end zone, and they pretty much didn't give up the big play, which was an issue week one against the Seahawks. So I I can't fault them. Right.
1: All right. Well, mine is consistency on offense. It just again, you look at the start of that game, and it was it was a tough first half to watch. Just a lot of they they just looked out of sync. Didn't look like they were ready to play quite yet and it's just been that way most games where it seems like it takes them to get into that second half before they really get things going and it's just it's frustrating it, it, they need to to be ready to come out and play and i just love to see them especially this week get some things going early get a few four, first downs at least don't make the defense be on the field for what 20 minutes of the first 30 minutes of the on, of the game yeah something like that not great yeah it's not great so that that'd be one thing for me that i just I really need to see in these next four weeks if the Broncos are going to stand any chance, especially in the playoffs when they get against some better teams.
0: Yeah, you are totally right. So yeah, not, not great their consistency on offense, and it's probably got the second biggest wrench it could have thrown into it. Actually, probably the third biggest wrench. In order of importance of this offense, probably Sanders is third, so I guess... Uh, going to be as positive as I can there. Losing Keenum, as hard as I am on him, there's probably an unbelievable gap between him and Hogan. And then losing Philip Lindsay would absolutely kill this offense as well. So sucks to lose Sanders. So I don't know if we're going to see some consistency, but we will see. But now, yeah, injury update time. Uh, Chris Harris Jr. out for three to four weeks with a tibia injury. And gosh, this felt like a horrible injury that was going to happen. For the, but the Broncos kind of you know got their bad injury done. So that's... That's what I thought, at least. Shame on me for thinking that. But three to four weeks, he said three, try to be back for the Chargers. I'm very skeptical that'll happen. It's typically a four to six week injury. That's what the team is saying as well. So we will see. He will be back for the playoffs if the Broncos make it there, but a lot needs to go right. Uh, Wolf has a cartilage injury in his rib cage. He's going to play through it. He's a guy that has played through injuries in his career and he's, Unfortunately, he got it injured, but he will try to tough through it. The Broncos do have some depth on that defensive line. And then Sanders' injury, unfortunately, we've already talked about this, but done for the season and potentially done for his career in the Broncos. You know, it's something that I've talked with uh, Eric Trickle about it. And, I, you know, there could be some medical language in his contract that would change this, but it's an option. So I don't think it's not an outright release, it's an option. So I think that changes it. And the Broncos have an out this offseason after the season concludes where they can move on from Sanders with uh, about two points or $2.687 million with a dead cap, but the Broncos end up saving 10.25 million. And considering an Achilles injury is hmm, most of the time, a 12 to 16 week injury, you know, before those guys are running full speed again, that would pretty much take out Sanders all of next season. So that's probably it for Sanders in Denver. I mean, just, just keeping it real. It sucks. I'd like to be sentimental. I enjoyed him in Denver, you know, wish for the best, but that's probably it. So, but the good news on my end, you know, the bad Bronco news, Carl, we've, we've had some good news. I'm going to call, I'm going to say we, because (laughs) I'm going to say you're a, you're a Hawkeye fan as well, but my boy, TJ Hawkinson, my son, one of my favorite Hawkeye players in a long time. He won the Mackey award today. Second best, uh, Second tight end for the Hawkeyes to win that uh, Dallas Clark being the other one and the first sophomore to ever win it. So congrats to him. sounds like he's actually leaning towards the the draft, which is unfortunate for the Hawkeyes losing Fant and Hawkinson, but you know, what can you do? Tight end to you is going to tight end to you. Hopefully they'll overstock and uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. Sorry, listeners that are Rocky fans. Carl and I are not Colorado dudes. We're actually St. Louis Cardinal fans and uh, the St. Louis Cardinals just traded for Paul Goldschmidt, which how do you, how do you do man? That's a, That's a, that's a heck of a trade. I that, don't know what the package is gonna be, but I'm I'm excited. That might actually be good news for Rockies fans because it gets them out of the hit their division. That's true. I I feel like maybe it's just Andrew Mason. Although Andrew Mason isn't Rockies fan, he's a Braves fan. They yeah. just have a disdain for the St. Louis Cardinals, which I get, you know, the Broncos the the Cardinals were dominant for fifteen years there with that Pujols and even like Mark McGuire and all that stretch there. But yeah, that's uh yeah. It's it's a good time to be a Cardinal fan, and Cubs were coming for you. Sorry, Sayer. <laughs> I hate the Cubs, man. I hate them. I hate the Cubs. So, <laughs> But yeah, no, sorry. That was our, a little bit of time not talking about the Broncos. But you know, we like all sports. And if you like all sports, you know what you should be doing is betting at my bookie. Sure, watching football and all their sports is fun, but it's even more entertaining when you have some action on the games. Guys, you've been hearing me talk about it for weeks, and some of you are still on the sidelines. Whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little but win a lot, like playing the numbers on roulette, you can create a big parlay. Pick three teams to win, and if you hit all three, you can turn $100 into $600. There's so much to bet on. Hockey, basketball, primetime fights, eSports, college football bowls coming up, and with the NFL season dwindling down, even the playoffs. MyBookie is the one bet I know you'll be happy with all year. I recommend these guys because I really trust them. MyBookie has been in business for years. They've got great online reviews, and their mobile site is easy to use, which is huge for me as a millennial. If you're on the sidelines, now is the time to get in the game. MyBookie will still match your first deposit dollar for dollar, but you've got to join now because they're going to be pulling that offer really soon. Log on to MyBookie right now and double your money. Use promo code BRONCOS100, and you'll get your first deposit matched 100%. That's promo code BRONCOS100. You play, you win, and you get paid. All right, Carl, well, it's going to be another week, kind of like last week, where we are looking at a roster. And some of these guys, we will will be making you go like, who? What? <laughs> Ugh. So, yeah, yeah, the San Francisco 49ers, arguably one of the three worst teams in the entire NFL. We'll be getting to some of the stats here, but you know, just looking over this roster, it's not good. But, I mean, it, it also, I guess, if anything, highlights the importance of quarterback. This is the team that many thought, had a chance to compete for the the west and then what is it week 2 of the season they lose Jimmy Garoppolo and it goes in the toilet fast
1: that's uh i mean it's the way it goes when you put so much on on one person's lap and and there's a lot of teams i mean you look at green bay packers this year i mean the, they they put a lot on on their quarterback pretty much every single year and most years he's able to perform but it just there, there's those times where you just don't have the talent around him to especially take care of that kind of injury. And uh, so it it doesn't shock me that they are the team they are right now. And and they've had other injuries as well. We'll get into that here in just a second, but it just, it's not, it's not a good year for the the 49ers.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's not, but it might be worth it in the end. If they end up with a certain Bosa, we'll we'll see. (laughs) Yeah. But when I'm looking at this offense specifically first, what sticks out to you?
1: I I mean, obviously, George Kittle. I'm going to
0: talk about your boy. Let's just talk about all the Iowa tight ends.
1: (laughs) He's been a a bright, shining light for them in a bad season. I'd say Mike McGlinchey as well, another rookie for them. I mean, Kittle's not a rookie, but McGlinchey, a rookie. uh, He's been performing pretty well for them. Had a few bad moments this last week, I saw. But otherwise, he's been pretty good. Joe Staley is another. I mean, he's just been as steady as they come. He's not
0: top Except left tackle in football, Ball. but... DeMarcus Ware. Except against DeMarcus Ware. Well, know yeah. Okay, yeah that's That was the, beautiful.
1: Oh, that that's still one of my favorite plays to go watch because it's like, huh? Where, where'd he go?
0: What? I mean, uh, just, I don't want to like go cartoon. too graphic. <laughs> too, too graphic, but my pants tightened a little bit watching. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just leave it at that.
1: Oh, oh boy. Okay, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, th- those guys... They're they're very much good big bookends there. The middle of that offensive line, not great. Tomlinson's pretty good. Richburg was good. And then injuries have kind of sapped him a little bit. And I don't know. I mean, obviously Nick Mullins, who?
0: Yeah. I mean, Uh, Mullins, he's the guy, actually, a little bit of fun stuff there. He's the dude who made Kyle Slaughter transfer from Southern Miss because he beat him out there. Well, there that, you go so a little bit of a little bit of Bronco tight in there but and unfortunately Mullins has been playing so good he's knocked out my boy CJ Bethard, who's been dealing with injuries this season but yeah it's uh Mullins has been besides against the Raiders who made him look like the next coming of Joe Montana <laughs> uh, he's not looked good for the 49ers so yeah let's
1: just I, I had a few people ask me after that game of uh do you think Broncos might trade for him in the offseason and I'm like oh let's wait a few more games Let's see if this is going to happen against somebody that's not
0: trying to tank completely for the season. That was one of the worst games I've ever seen in my life. It was so bad. It looked like both teams are trying to lose.
1: So I mean that that's something that sticks out. Uh, even Matt Breida, their starting running back, he's going to be out for this game. Yep, Alfred Morris maybe. And Jeff like, Wilson, that's the other one that, that's both going to be. So it's it's just not a it's not an explosive offense. There's nothing really that sticks out that makes you go, Oh my gosh, this is what I have to really panic against. Uh, it sounds like some of their wide receivers might be coming back this week, Mm -hmm. but again, it's just, it's, it's not an offense. It's gonna, it's not what we've been facing. (laughs) I'll say that much.
0: Yeah. They do have some wide receiver talent that I like, you know, we'll see if Pierre Garcon ends up playing. He's definitely on the back, back end of his career. If maybe even the back, I don't know, less than that. <laughs> he pretty much is done. But Dante Pettis is the guy who's been looking better week in and week out. Were you a big Dante Pettis fan coming into the draft? I feel like you were.
1: I, I thought he was pretty good. I, I didn't think he was going to be special or a top-tier wide receiver or anything like that,
0: obviously. But I thought he could be a good role player for a team. Okay, well, he's been looking better and better every week. He's he's kind of a lankier guy, but he runs surprisingly good routes, and he's got some yak ability. He's also the... I think he's the all-time leader in kickoff return touchdowns for a career in college football, if I recall correctly. So he's got some abilities. Mm-hmm. And he's you know, that'll be interesting to watch him go against the secondary. And Marquise Goodwin should be back. He had a personal matter which made him miss the last two weeks, and you know, don't know any more information than that other than he's expected back, and he is a pretty explosive wide receiver. So I'm really you know, this bend don't break has gotta to have to apply because Marquise Goodwin is one that can make Roby or Yadam look pretty silly if they get beat over the top. And then I we'll talk about this a little bit moving on here, but the I'd like to watch the these tackles play. They got a okay offensive line. Granted, the quarterback's really holding them back and they need some more help help on the outside. But, you know, the Joe Staley you're talking about him, but Mike McGlinchey has played pretty well at that right tackle spot. I remember a lot of Bronco fans who were tackle or bust last season, which is you know, that's that tends to happen with fan bases following the draft. You know, you get fixated on one need, and that's the way you got to go. But you know, Mike McGlinchey has played pretty well at right tackle, and thank God for that coin flip. Otherwise, he'd have been the tackle the Raiders took instead of Colton Super Bust Miller. At least that's what it looks like. But McGlinchey's been playing well there, and they also got Weston Richburg who I believe went to Colorado state what a pretty high transaction uh, this offseason from the giants to the 49ers and Lincoln Tomlinson, who was, I believe a first round pick of the, the lions a few years ago. He even might've been the pick that was selected with the Broncos original pick when they traded up for Shane Ray. I'm pretty sure that he was. Yes. Yeah. So a solid guard, you know, more of a power scheme guard, not a great athlete, but you know, you can run behind him. So don't know much about Mike Pearson and then, you know, George Kittle, Big fan of his game. He's a guy that the Broncos linebackers are going to need to look out for because he is a type that gets just as much pleasure out of pancaking somebody and having a highlight in the blocking game as he does scoring a touchdown. So got to watch out for him. And then finally, best fullback in football, Kyle Juszczyk. You know, not to disparage on Andy Janovich, who I do like, but Juszczyk is the... I know, I know he's your doppelganger, but Kyle <laughs> Uschek is a heck of a weapon and somebody that you got to look out for. I mean, fullbacks a dying position in the NFL. You know, it's, it's sorry about that, guys. But Kyle Uschek is a talented guy. He's a good receiver. I mean, he's seen hurdle guys and he can compl- I wouldn't even be surprised if they gave him some running back reps in this game with the Bronk or with the 49ers down uh Matt Bureta and Jeff Wilson. So that's my take on the offense. But moving on to the defense, it starts up front for them. I mean, they've used three first-round picks in the last four seasons on this defensive defensive line. And Solomon Thomas, the guy that I liked a lot coming out, he hasn't developed as a pass rusher. Granted, I don't really see him as an edge rusher as, as much as I see him as an interior pass rusher. But he has a lot of potential, still a great athlete, and he dominates as a run defender. That hasn't turned into pass rushing yet. So that's, that's really important to follow and watch. And-
1: and didn't he have some personal issues when he first came into the league that kind of really took him out of the game a little bit?
0: He had a – I believe it was a twin sister, but it was a sister for sure that committed suicide. Yeah. That's uh, been some personal issues with him. Smart kid, nice guy. I remember talking with him at the Combine. But, uh, yeah, he hasn't really developed into the past, sure they'd hoped he would. And I think he's probably a guy that – I know the league's getting – faster and smaller. So I I want to see him inside, honestly. Three technique would be just ideal. But you know, they have him at the edge and he's a really good run defender. So that's something the Broncos are gonna have to look out for. Uh Earl Mitchell, a guy the Broncos tried to bring in, but he ended up signing the 49ers as their their heavier one technique, zero technique type. Um, DJ Jones, also another kind of guy like that, a fire hydrant from Ole Miss, fifth round pick, is the backup there. And then arguably the most underrated interior defensive lineman in football, DeForest Buckner, he is Gosh, I would I would say he's the best player on this team. If there's any player I could pick off this team and put on the Broncos, it would be him. Six foot seven, three hundred pounds, and this guy just has been dominating this season. And he's not super duper like burst like Aaron Donald or Geno Atkins is, but he does have great burst, but he's not, you know, a crazy burst guy. But his length and power and ability to shed blocks and just displace dudes is pretty darn special. So DeForest Buckner, I mean, we've seen Connor McGovern. He struggled against Javon Hargrave, and then he struggled against Geno Atkins, both McGovern and the two guards as well, st- struggling with some of those interior pass rushers. And Buckner, I mean, it doesn't get any easier. Buckner's great. Yeah. And Eric Armstead, another guy who I think is probably better at a five technique that so they have playing edge rusher. Now This is a team that desperately needs edge rushing, and they have two first-round picks playing there, but they just feel miscast. So that the defensive line is... Not a great pass rushing, but they do stop the run very well.
1: Yeah, I, I can't disagree. With Buckner, it's his hand strength. Mm. That man just looks like he's wearing like mitts. I mean, he, he just has such huge hands, and he just can grab guys and throw them to the side like they're nothing. And I, I was a big Eric Armstead fan when he was coming out, but I agree, they have a lot of guys that just are not fitting where they should be. And and I'm just kind of I, – I feel like a little bit they, they need to – change up a little bit how they're running their defense. If they want to get the most out of this talent, either that, or or maybe they got some trade pieces and say, Hey, we got too many of these five tech, three tech kind of guys. Let's trade them for something more in the draft. I I don't know. I mean, it just, it doesn't feel quite right.
0: Yeah. I I feel like he was never the athlete, or just kind of a little bit of a tweener. They got a couple tweeners playing edge right now. And that's one reason that this is a team that if they get the first pick, they got to be all in on Nick Bosa. Oh, yeah, so I know exactly. some Bronco fans, some Bronco analysts that I've spoken with, you know, if the Broncos are looking to trade up for a quarterback, they're hoping the 49ers are the team that's up high. Cause the, if there's any team that would trade with the Broncos, it's probably the 49ers. But right now, I think if you got a chance at Nick Bosa and you're sitting at number one overall, you just take it. I mean, unless you get absolutely blown away, but you need edge rushing help and Bosa's, I don't think he's the same level prospect as Miles Garrett was as an athlete. I think he's a safer pick, but he's right up there with, you know, Joey Bosa, right. Miles Garrett, Jamie and Clowney, those level type of edge rushers. So. Right.
1: Well, and it's, it's getting harder to trade up that high. Yeah. Since we keep moving back in the draft, which is a good thing. Cause it means we're winning, but it just, the, the, do you really want to see your team go from number one pick to number 20 pick kind of thing? But anyway, moving on, let's, let's look at their linebackers here. Fred Warner amazing
0: rookie yeah and the broncos were on the phone with him ready to pick him still <sighs> still grinds my gears i mean dvorace freeman's been fine but having a three down linebacker with coverage ability like fred warner would be more valuable than the broncos current backup running back yep I'm just saying
1: <laughs> i know i know it, he's a very very good player very uh, he's going to be somebody the broncos need to keep an eye on for this upcoming game malcolm smith the super bowl mvp that's his main mark and in uh, all of football, <laughs> nothing, nothing too great there. Uh, I mean, it's it's other than Fred Warner, this isn't a great unit.
0: Hey, help. they got
1: Richard Sherman. Well, well, I mean a line a linebacker.
0: Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the back seven. Yeah, especially
1: Reuben Foster when they lost him. Yeah, they went from a really good unit to an average unit. I would say,
0: if that. Yeah, I mean you have got. Mark Nezichucha, I can't even pronounce that name. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, and then Malcolm Smith, who was a first round pick, who's just bounced around the league and been horrible uh, there as well. So yeah, this is a this is a average is really kind.
1: Yes, yes. If it wasn't for Fred Warner, they would be one of the worst units in football.
0: Yeah, like yikes! Broncos got a chance to attack this linebacker in Corgan, and, and you know what? Even makes them worse is that they look bad when they're being covered by one of the better-sized-length run-stopping defensive lines in football.
1: Yeah, exactly. There's so many plays where I saw if the running back could get through that first line, it was a big play. Yeah. Those linebackers are just not making any plays other than Fred Warner. It's it's terrible. But then you look at their cornerback players. Richard Sherman was a good player.
0: And he's still okay. Yeah. But he's not... Even close to the same,
1: right? He's not 2013 Richard Sherman, that's for sure.
0: And he doesn't have Richard Sherman or uh, Earl Thomas behind him either, right? Yes, (laughs) yes. And
1: we'll get into that of their safeties. Uh, It sounds like Tarts not going to play. Is that right?
0: Yeah, that's my understanding. He's out with a shoulder injury. They're they're they're
1: (laughs) right, and so it's going to be Exum and Reed, DJ Reed playing safety. And those guys, they're just not
0: good at all. No, and then they got Colorado guy playing opposite of uh, Richard Sherman and Akilah Weatherspoon, who's got great length, you know, good athlete, but dude was a wire coming in and had no desire to tackle. So if the Broncos can get through that defensive line out wide or to the second level, you know, we should we have a chance to see some more explosive runs from Lindsey. So
1: Right. And and another player they can really take advantage of, Kawan Williams gave up, I think, three touchdowns last week. Yeah. So this could be a an opportunity for for Case Keenum. I, I'm I'm careful in what I'm trying to say here. This could be a really good opportunity for Case Keenum to have a pretty decent
0: game without Sanders. <laughs>
1: With yeah, him. but even there, I mean, I still think we have enough weapons. The Broncos can can do some things. I, I would really love to see since Sanders is gone. Man, how many times have we said this to to go get Philip Lindsay and put him in the slot? like start have them start in the backfield motion them over to the slot and make them have to panic. Like, Oh my gosh, no, not this kind of speed coming at us.
0: Yeah. I can't disagree. I don't think they'll put too much in the hands of Keenum and they'll try to protect him because this defensive line, you know, if they have anything on defense, they will get it's the defensive line, but yeah, I can't disagree. This is a bad back seven, you know, feel bad for Fred Warner. He could have been a Bronco and playing behind Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, but you know, he's in the Bay area as well. At least they got beautiful weather. (laughs) Moving on, now we got to talk about the season stats of this team of the Forty ers and their offense has been you know right around the middle of the pack. Credit to Shanahan, who is a you know pretty darn good offensive play caller. You know, there's questions about his team building and everything, and you know why did he call the Super Bowl down the stretch like he did? You know, those are questions for the history books. But the offense for the Forty ers has been. Better than one would think, given the, the injuries this season. Um, they are 15th in total offense per game, 363 yards per game. Uh, passing offense is 21st. Not great, 234 yards per game. Um, yards per attempt, though, is 7.8. So when they do pass it, they they try to throw it down the field. So it's not a high-volume passing attack, but it's more of a, a chunk when they can. The rushing yards, you know, the typical Kyle Shannon West Coast offense zone Blocking, they are running the ball pretty effectively. Matt Beretta you know, if you pick them up in your fantasy team, until now If you're in the playoffs and you've been relying on them, I'm sorry, but he's been having a solid year. They got a solid offensive line, uh, run blocking wise. They're tied seventh in the league in 129.2 uh, yards per game and uh, 4.7 yards per rush, which is tied seventh. Points per game is not great though, 21.2 points per game, 22nd in the league. And where it really gets just comical and bad and laughable is the turnover differential. I I had to double check when I read this number when I was filling this out. Negative (laughs) twenty. Turnover differential. Oh jeez. Thirty second league. And I think that's like five more turnovers than the thirty set first worst. So this team gives the ball away like it's going out of style it is i mean negative 20 they're not taking the ball away either but they're giving it away like crazy they've given up 41 sacks which is 27th in the league uh, i think a lot of that has to do with the quarterback more than the offensive line but you know what you can still get there. Uh, giveaways they're 25 which is 30th in the league interceptions 15 interceptions 28th in the league and then fumbles at 10 so offensively you know i think they, they can move the ball especially on the ground something that you know the broncos need to watch out for this week because joe mixon made them look pretty vulnerable early on before the game started taking it out of his hands but yeah this is the their team that's gonna give the ball away so you gotta you gotta jump those routes and be aggressive there and take that ball away because they're prone to do it defensively their yards per game is not the worst um 348.8 which is 12th the passing yards is 13th in the league passing yards per attempt is 14th so they're not you know it's not so much teams are getting ahead and then pulling away um, yards per game, rushing yards per game. They're 15th, 108.2 um, yards per attempt, 11th, 4.2. So they they do a pretty good job stopping the run with that defensive line, considering how bad that linebacking core is, but points per game. And it's got to come back to turnovers. I mean, it, it just has to, because it doesn't match anything else where it looks average. They're 29th in points per game at 28. So, Not good. Their third down defense is middle of the pack at 39.35% effectiveness, 16th. Um, And they're, they're not really getting after the quarterback, 29 sacks in the season, 20, uh, 20th overall. And their takeaways, I mean, their turnover differential is bad, but the reason that it's bad is because the defense also doesn't take the ball away. They have five takeaways on the season, Carl. Five. The Broncos have more in like the last two games, maybe three games, but like on the entire season, they have five takeaways. They only have two interceptions, which is thirty second in the league, which is three worst than the next one, which is five. And they only have caused three fumbles, which is thirty-first in the league. So this is a team that turns gives the ball away and doesn't take it away. So key to look key to watch out for that. And you know, everyone loves Kyle Shanahan, but turnovers are a big part of coaching. You know, a players gotta execute, that's true, but i think that reflects on the coaching as well. So that's something you gotta point out. Something the Broncos have been doing much better recently. That stupid Royce Freeman, which fumble which should have been called or halted. <laughs> uh, the only turnover the Broncos have had since the bye week. DVOA doesn't like the, the 49ers either. The The offense is the for, overall they're considered the 31st worst in the 31st worst team in the league at negative 28.3 DVOA. Their offense is uh, 17 or negative 17.7 which is 29th in the league. Pass offense is worse than the run Our pass offense is a little better than the run offense, surprisingly, according to their DVOA. I guess that has to do with the opponents they've played. Um, And their defense isn't great either, 25th ranked. But their run defense is middle of the pack compared to their pass defense, which is 26th to 16th. And special teams isn't great either. So, yeah, the 49ers, on paper, bad team. Statistically, bad team. And hopefully the Broncos will take advantage of that, even though they are dealing with a number of just heart-ripping-out injuries.
1: Oh, man. That was uh, that was very informative there. Uh, some unique stats that we like to throw in every once in a while here. Fred Warner, when we were talking about him and him being a player, of the Broncos gram to watch out for over the second half of the season, he has been the top coverage linebacker in football. So just think about that. And then here's a couple others. Forty ers have the best percentage chance to end up with the first overall pick. And of course, it's forty 49%. nine percent. 49 ers 49%. I think it's fate. But then uh, George Kittle, your boy, he's leading all non-running backs in yards per reception after the catch. So th- this is a guy, they love to get the ball in his hands. They, I mean, he's kind of their safety net for all their quarterbacks. If they're in trouble, throw it to George Kittle. I mean, that, that's, that's kind of how things go for them. <laughs> and then he finds ways to just make something out of nothing.
0: Yeah, he's, uh, he's a fun one. And he fell to the fifth round, just like Desmond King. If you took a Hawkeye in the fifth round in that draft class, you did pretty good. So yeah, that's a good stat. I really, George Kittle has been a lot of fun to watch. And he's also a fun personality as well. He's a big wrestling fan. He's all about that. I think that's an Iowa thing. Not so much me. <laughs> all righty. Well, the key matchups now. Um, number one, we kind of talked about it a little bit here but the San Francisco defensive line is pretty darn good. You know they they're not great at getting after the quarterback, but as far as length, athleticism, and run defense, they are good. And this Broncos offense, you know, what are they? The offensive line, what have they been built for? Especially after the injuries to Paredes and Leary, they are a good run blocking unit. So really going to be interesting to see how the Broncos offensive line. Matches up against this defensive line. Keenum should have time to throw. That's, that's a good thing as long as they kind of can stymie Buckner up the middle because the edge rushers aren't really a threat to get home. But Broncos offensive line, they got to keep it up. And I'm looking forward to Bowles against uh, Eric Armstead, who's a longer guy than Bowles is actually. And that'll be interesting. An interesting matchup for Bowles. A guy who came in not super strong. You know, Armstead is a strong length edge. And if the Broncos are going to run it well off the edge, especially on the left side, that'll be an interesting matchup to watch. Number two, the Broncos edge rushers versus the San Francisco tackles. We talked about it already, but I think this offensive line for the 49ers is pretty darn good. I mean, they're, they're not the reason this team is falling off a cliff, and they got two pretty darn good tackles bookends, and Joe Staley, who you talked about earlier, and Mike McGlinchey, who is playing better than I thought he would this season, Granted, you know, he's playing right tackle a position that I think fits his his limitations athletically better. And the Broncos, you know, last week we saw the edge rushers getting home with probably two of the worst tackles in the league and Hart and Ogabui playing tackle for the Bengals. Well, this week they got a much tougher matchup. I am excited to see Von Miller potentially teach McGlinchey a few uh, a thing or two on that right side, though. So <laughs> hopefully, and, and Mullins and Bethard, whoever it is, you know, they don't have very much pocket awareness, so... I'm expecting the Broncos to be able to get home decently if as long as the 49ers aren't being very conservative and taking what the defense gives them repeatedly, although they might. Who knows? But with, the, with no threat of a run game, really, considering it's going to be Alfred Morris playing running back there. I think the, the tackles versus the edge rusher is going to be probably a fun matchup, good talent matchup head to head, but one that the Broncos should walk away with with a victory. And then my third one here is the Broncos linebackers and strong safeties versus Kittle. Kittle's an inline guy. He's not so much the Evan Ingram type where you're going to see him move in the slot and whatnot, although you can do that. But man, he can get to that second level. He can whoop your butt at the second level. And one thing that they got to really watch out for is the block and release, something that the 49ers use pretty effectively. You know, he'll get up there against an edge rusher, help double team, or get to a linebacker and block him. You know, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, release. The linebacker tries to flow to where you think the ball is going, and then, oh my gosh, Kittle has nobody around him for five, eight-yard radius, and it's a 20, 30-yard play. So got to be very aware of that block and release and how the Broncos linebackers and safeties match up against Kittle will go a long way in determining how the Broncos defense fares in this game. All right, well, my three
1: are a little bit of – two of them are the the weaknesses of the San Francisco 49ers and how the Broncos can really – take over this game and, and it really comes down to Keenum on some of this, but Broncos third wide receiver or slot wide receiver, whoever that's going to be against their slot corner uh, 49ers right now ranked 30th in the NFL in coverage grade against the slot. So if there's a place, the Broncos can really just get things going, get the offense moving, get those first downs, not have those three and outs. That's a place that the case Keenum has to take advantage of and, and been a little disappointed ever since Hireman went down, the Broncos haven't really been challenging the middle of the field at all. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just Keenum just doesn't trust the other guys or whatever it is, but they just haven't been thrown there at all. And uh, this is a game. He's got to start getting that direction because the middle of the field is, is where things are going to open up. And uh, again, my number, my second one is case Keenum versus the safeties. That's a huge weak spot. They got some very inexperienced guys back there. And it's just a place you got to be able to hit some some receivers. So I I don't know what it's going to take, uh, but the Broncos really need to to get on on track there over the middle. And then my final one, this is just kind of a, a fun one, I guess. And and I don't know, maybe it's one we don't really need to talk about too much because it gets overblown like crazy. But Kyle Shanahan versus Vance Joseph. I mean, these were the the top two candidates for the Broncos head coaching job. Broncos obviously went with Vance Joseph. A lot of Bronco fans are still pretty upset about that. They want to Kyle Shanahan, keep the the legacy going here of the Shanahans, and and, and still would rather, because, I mean, there's been a lot of reasons to hate Vance Joseph. Hate's too harsh of a word. I, I hate that word, but I hate hate. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I, I would say you have to look at, uh, when you get new information, you have to be willing to, to change some of your your thoughts on something. You can't sit there and say this is my first impression, it's right, I'm never changing. And so I mean right now I'm seeing a lot of growth from Vance Joseph, Cal Shanahan, man, I mean he's got he's got some excuses built in. Starting quarterback goes down, didn't have a starting quarterback last year till the very end of the year. So there's there's some of those things that are built in for him right now, but I'd say year 3 he's going to be on the hot spot, hot hot seat if things don't start turning around for that team, because so far the 49ers under his watch have not been great.
0: Yeah, that is very true. So I think they'll give him a mulligan season because, you know, losing Garoppolo changes everything. And he started to look pretty good last season with Garoppolo there. I mean, before this season never lost. Right. So, so that's uh, something to watch, but yeah, I think two coaches, two different trajectories, although Vance Joseph and the Broncos have to finish out strong and if Eric Trickle's piece that he put out is still holding true as far as his information he's heard about its playoffs are bust for Vance Joseph and what happens with Harp John Harbaugh being available is a big determining factor, then you know, we'll see about that. But still a quarter of the season left and the, I know these injuries suck, but how the Broncos respond and play, especially against, you know, three of these games or against teams that are not good, then you know, they gotta they gotta step up and play well. So, All right, well, we're just about to get out of here, but before we do, let us tell you about why you need to become a Mile High Huddle VIP subscriber. Mile High Huddle's approach to covering the Broncos isn't just about reporting the news, although we do pride ourselves on being able to relay you all of the breaking news that's happening in real time. What we like to focus on is breaking down the Broncos from an in-depth perspective. From all 22 film reviews, X's and O's, deep dives on player evaluations, and coming up soon, the NFL Draft, we save our best and most in-depth content for our premium members, the VIP subscribers. To become a Mile High Huddle VIP and get access to 100% of our written analysis and the VIP Insider Forums, just click on the green banner at the top of the website, click the monthly or annual option, and you'll be locked in. From there, you get access to everything we produce, which includes any insider information we pick up along the way. We work hard to bring you the best Broncos coverage and analysis on the web. We ask you for your support by becoming a VIP subscriber. Pull the trigger and you have my word. You will not be disappointed. All right. Well, we, as always, we are running a little long here. And Carl, you got to get going. You got some other obligations. So I will let you go first and then drop your uh, prediction as well.
1: All right. I have the Broncos defense versus the 49ers offense. And I mean – Right now, they've been trying to, to pound the rock as hard as they can. They are, I think, 20th in pass attempts this season, which is a little hard, higher than I thought they would actually be, but they've been playing from behind a lot, too. So I know from the very beginning, they're going to be trying to pound the rock. So I keep in my base defense, and I I mean, I, I'm starting to trust some of these younger guys to, to step up and be able to cover if they, they're asked to do so. When they go to three wide receiver sets, I mean, keep with Justin Simmons there in the slot corner. He's been doing pretty well. If I'm blitzing, I'm running the, the a gap blitz. The, the Seahawks did it this last week and they had so much success. Their, their quarterbacks are really, really struggling with pressure up in their face. So Shelby Harris, I mean, this is a big game for him again. Uh, the, the, with the tackles being a little bit better, the interior guys, not being as great. This is an opportunity for him to get some pass rush going and, and that can easily force some turnovers for the Broncos. But it's, it's a lot of just, again, when you got Goodwin possibly coming back, he's a guy with a lot, a lot of speed. You just can't give up the big plays. This is one of those games. This is not a great offense. The only way you really get beat is if you turn the ball over and if you give up big plays. And so, you know, force this quarterback to have to beat you. Force him to have to march that 12, 15 plays down the field and and score a touchdown. I think this is a, one of those games you can really be a little bit more basic in what you're trying to do and let your superior players go beat their their players. It, it's nothing, I don't think you have to get too too complicated on this one. Like I said, time out some of your blitzes. I don't think you have to get too blitz crazy, but because and you already have guys that can get after the quarterback without needing to blitz. but again, I, I think there's there's some of that and then Sue Cravens. He's going to have to have a big game. This is one of those games I'd have him against Kittle on a lot of, a lot of snaps and uh, and have a little bit of safety help over the top. I mean, he's one of those guys you double. That, that's something I'd be willing to do in this game. But otherwise, I think the the Broncos stand a very, very good chance of this defense putting on another very dominant performance. And my, my prediction for this week is Broncos 27, San Fran 17, same as last week, and I was, I was pretty close, 24-10. I was almost there. That missed field goal, I would have had at least the Broncos score right. But uh, no, I I think this is another good win for the Broncos on the road and gives them another shot at uh, staying right there with the
0: playoffs. Yeah, and I got to say that I picked the Broncos last week and we didn't lose, so I can't be called a jinx. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, now it's my turn for the coaching corner. Carl, if you got to run, you got to run. But I have the Broncos offense against the 49ers defense, and I think it's going to be really important to mix up that quick pass game with the long pass game. Um, I think that you know the 49ers, if they have any strength on this team, it is that – run or that defensive line and I think that using this quick pass game especially with you know Keenum being a little bit more of a quick passer I think that's the way to use it and then use that play action to open it up deep if you got a chance against a guy one-on-one in ISO especially with Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick two guys big guys some decent speed ability to go up and get it then you should do it but I think this is a game where it's time to get Deshaun Hamilton involved I mean he's the guy Broncos were excited about bringing him in he's a nuanced route runner you know what Case Keenum pelt this guy with the footballs it's it's time to get him involved and also i'd love to see Devontae booker involved as well i mean he's a, been a pretty good receiving back he had a couple big receptions last week against the Bengals. he had that big play that ended up the broncos finished that drive with the touchdown with that great philip Lindsay the vision run that six yard touchdown run about as good as you'd see in effort wise from a six yard touchdown run from a running back and then the I just, you can't let the 49ers' defensive line win. I'd run to the left more so than the right to avoid Solomon Thomas, just because Solomon Thomas is great and Bulls has a chance to be a pretty darn good run blocker there. You know, get the guys in space if you can, but I'd run to the left more than the right this week. I'd use the defensive line aggressiveness against them, whether that be the screen game, um, any sort of like bubble screen if you can, but especially to the running back, Booker, Philip Lindsay. I mean, come on. Phil Lindsay's is an explosive running back. And how many screen passes that they had to him this year? They, I don't think he has 10 receptions. So got to use that to your advantage. Cause this defensive line is going to try to get after it. And then isolate the wide receivers down the field with man. Like I talked about San Francisco sucks against play action pass. They've struggled against it all season. And that's something that Case Keenum is good with or better with than most quarterbacks, honestly. So, got to use that play action pass to open up that deep pass game and take those calculated shots. And I don't be afraid to take shots either. I mean, I'm afraid to say that too loudly, but the 49ers have not been taking the ball away. So, you know, if you want to throw it up, this is probably the way to do it, in my opinion, and control the game. I mean, the 49ers' offense is not explosive. They want—they're a team that wants to run the ball, but they have Alfred Morris. They got no game changers there, and they don't have the quarterback. They have some off uh, passing weapons, but Mullins isn't great. So I'm I'm looking to control this game offensively. Run the run the ball, you know, protect it. Take calculated shots. Not you're not being aggr- Super aggressive. Take calculated shots, and then just control the flow of the game. And I think that's enough to get the Broncos a win this week and have them win their fourth game in a row and finish off the 49ers with the Broncos winning 28, San Francisco 49ers 13. All right, well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of Building the Broncos. You can find Carl on Twitter, at Carl MHH and myself, at Nick Kendall MHH. Also, make sure you head on over to Mile High Huddle, a new affiliate of 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports Digital, to find ours and our co-writers' articles and all things pertaining to your Denver Broncos. Head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and comment. Your support can help us continue to bring you our Denver Bronco deep dives. We aren't just here to bring you the news, but an in-depth analysis each week from team building, game planning, and 365 days of covering the Denver Broncos. You can follow the Building the Broncos podcast and all our other great audio content by subscribing to the Huddle Up podcast on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher, as well as check us out on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter, at MyHuddle and at BTBFootballPod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us as we love interacting with fellow Bronco fans in any medium, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, you name it. Send a smoke signal. (laughs) For Carl Dumbler, I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up another episode of the Building the Broncos podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week. Go Broncos and fight off those injuries. You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to
1: keep the conversation going.